Um, I am been been uh, talking a lot about who we are in Christ, and it is so important for us to get. But I was just reminded I was listening to Matt Chandler a little bit, and and uh, have you ever found it interesting that all of Paul's letters in the Book of Revelation, all of those things were written to Christians, and yet they have the gospel in them. You know, it's he's like they're te- they're teaching the gospel to people who already know it. Uh, right? I think it was Martin Luther said, you should preach the gospel to yourself once a day, twice if necessary. Um, we forget if we don't remind ourselves. If, if you are not in the scriptures, you are not going to be able to remember who you are because you're not going to find it anywhere else but in the scriptures and, and, uh, you're, and, and how the Holy Spirit teaches us. You're not going to find it in the world. We have to be reminded of who we are, and it's got to be renewing and transforming our minds, and the only way to do it is to be reminded of it in the Scriptures. And let me tell you, who you think you are is really important. It determines what you do, right? Uh, if, you, uh, if you did not realize that you were supposed to be a priest now that you're in Jesus Christ, you will not think that you're supposed to be representing him or his ambassador out in the world. If you've not realized that you are in Christ, you're a new creation, you're going to think that this battle with sin that you and I continue with is supposed to just be something we're just supposed to discipline our way out of. Well, it's just not true. In the scriptures, we, Paul says over and over again, uh, the battle against sin is this. You remember what Christ did. You are dead to sin. You're to consider self. self. You remember that I am supposed to be walking now in what Christ has done, and I am dead to sin, and it is to, no longer to be my master. But not only that, we've been reading a lot about what we've about who we are in Jesus Christ, and it is so important. Something that we're all all should be learning and reading and studying about all the time because we are very forgetful. And of course, who we are in Jesus Christ and what He's done for us is just huge, isn't it? We could just talk about this until Jesus comes back, and that doesn't actually sound like a bad idea this morning. Amen? Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, I wanted to, to press on this morning, and uh, this is going to be the last ser- of this series. Uh, next month, we're going to be jumping in to, uh, to just be uh, in some preparation for Easter. I'm going to be preaching along with uh, us as we're reading in the, in the Gospel of Luke together. So uh, anyway, I'm excited about that. I hope you are too. Um, it'll be a good time. But uh, first on the blank here on your page, being in Christ forever changes, let's see if you remember, your, I know it's on the screen, isn't it? Forever changes your identity, your direction, and your destiny. Um, I cannot say this strongly enough, but the way Paul, the Apostle Paul in particular talks about being in Christ, it is completely different from before you were in Christ. People who are in Christ have a completely different destiny, direction, and uh, I forgot the first one, an identity than people who are not in Christ. And your life before you're in Christ is completely different from who you are in Christ today. And I just can't stress that strongly enough. Um, um, in Christ, what, have, what things have we talked about? We are God's chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a, I've forgotten it, a holy holy nation, a chosen, a royal priesthood, a chosen people. We are his chosen ones. We've been talking about how we are priests. We talked last week about how we are new creations. All of these things are true of us now because we are in Christ. And I want you to remember, whenever you're reading the Apostle Paul, it's such a small and seemingly insignificant phrase, but he doesn't talk about it that way. If you are in Christ, everything has changed for you. Amen? Who you are, where you're going, everything has changed for you. Uh, I, can't, I just can't say that strongly enough for you. 
Um, and of course, uh, when we realize that, we're, it really should, boy, just fill our hearts with praise because we were destined for hell. We were destined for punishment, but Christ stepped in and redeemed us from all of that and gave us a glorious inheritance to boot. But anyway, we'll get to all that. Um, here's the other deal, is that your identity has a lot to do with what you're about. You know what I mean? If, um, if you are all about physical fitness, and uh, it's funny to me, but a lot of people who are all about physical fitness, all they like to do is, is uh, do arm curls and, uh, and, and, and stuff because they're just trying to build up their, bi- their, their biceps, right? But their identity is all about, about how people perceive them, right? They want to be perceived a certain way. Um, or, or someone wants to be, you know, and I can be guilty of this, um, because we're all idolatrous people, right? But, um, me included, but, and when you work, right, when you work and have a good work ethic, that's good and biblical, right? And being in shape is good. That's a good thing. That's all right. But when it becomes something more than what it's supposed to be, when it becomes an identity, when it comes to become something so important, uh, the Bible has a word for that. It's called Idolatry, idolatry, right? It's an idol. When it becomes that thing for us, then, um, then, then we've gone too far. Uh, but who we think we are is, is very important for uh, where our focus is, where we spend our time and where we spend our energy. Um, and the scriptures press on this very hard on this aspect. The, the, the scriptures and the Holy Spirit press very hard on us about what we're about, you know, we were reading this morning in Colossians, and it said, Paul was saying some crazy things like this about be very wise how you live, making the most of every opportunity. And what he's talking about there is looking for opportunity to witness, right? Those verses compress very hard on you when you're not doing that, right? It reveals to you that, oh, my heart is not about witnessing, because I'm not making the most of opportunity. I'm not looking for any opportunity to witness. And so the scriptures press hard on us and our intention and our focus and our, who we think we are in our identity. Are we really about representing Christ well or are we really more about representing ourselves well? I don't want to seem odd. I don't want to seem to be the, you know, the religious zealot, the nut, you know, religious nut. Or are we really about wanting to um, represent Christ well? Um, and let me say this. The scriptures are really clear about what all of this is about anyway, isn't it? Um, you can't turn a page in the Old Testament or the New Testament hardly without seeing that it's all about Jesus Christ. Old Testament is full of this idea that God is planning something great, something to deal with mankind's sin, something to deal with this problem of alienation that our, that our sin and the fall, you know, tore the relationship between mankind and the, and the Heavenly Father, tore us apart. And throughout the Old Testament, God's saying, I'm going to, I'm making plans. I'm going to renew you as a people. I'm going to cover over your sins. It's going to happen. I'm going to send my servant. I'm going to send my son. He'll be like a shoot. He'll be like a prophet like Moses. He'll be a a shepherd king like David. And over and over and over again, he's foreshadowing and saying, it's all about my son, my plan. It's all about my son and what he's going to do on behalf of, of, of my will and on behalf of my people. It's all about him. It's all about him. And uh, what we're going to study this morning is really, truly, it is not about us. It is all about Jesus Christ and his plan for us. And uh, these things press really hard on us. And and, and what I mean by that is is that it gets down to our motives. You know what I mean? The scriptures and the Holy Spirit really press on our motives and say, what are you really about? What are you really about? What's your focus? What's really your identity? What do you really want people to see in you? 
and uh, it kind of makes it hard to hide, honestly. But uh, anyway, let's jump in. Ephesians chapter 1, please, if you have your Bibles with you. If you don't have your Bibles, there is probably one in a window seal next to you if you would like to read in there. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. And let's jump in. Okay, read along with me here as I read. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now we're going to jump in and read verses 3 through 14. And let me just warn you, um, Paul, if I may um, coin a phrase here, I think is is the prince of prepositional phrases. But verses 3 through 14 is one sentence in the Greek. Okay. Now, when they do the English translation to make it much easier on us to comprehend all that he's saying, it's really difficult, right? Because Paul, I mean, he, you know, he's talking about one thing and does a prepositional phase, phrase, and, and if we're trying to track it out, it makes it really difficult to try, trace it out. But he says so much, and there's so much richness, richness in this verse that it's, a, it's just a beautiful thing. But anyway, we're going to focus on, the first, uh, on verses 3 through about 6. Um, but I wanted you to be aware of this entire passage because it's really... Um, it's really a doxology. It's really a praise to God is really what it is. It's just beautiful language. But listen, listen how he starts here and, and how he finishes. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing. And, and as we're going through this, um, listen for this. Praise be to God. Listen for words like praise to, of his glorious grace, praise of his glory for us to be, the praise of his glory. It's in there over and over again about four times in these, in these uh, 11 verses. So verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has given freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he, um, which he purpo- purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all the things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of of his glory. Amen. Those are beautiful, beautiful verses and incredibly complicated and hard to read. Yes, <laughs> they're incredibly rich and, and you, you just have to take these things a little bit at a time to be able to understand them. But as you're, <clears throat> let me encourage you, as you're reading the scriptures and you go through something like that and it's just, you know, prepositional phrase after prepositional phrase, focus on one little bit of time and, and just capture and savor and meditate on what that portion is saying uh, as you go through it, you know, read the whole and then go back and read the pieces. And as you read it, it'll become very plain to you about the beauty of what he's saying, what he's writing here. But anyway, let's jump in here. In verse three, he says, 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he's fixing to tell us why. All right, that's the whole rest of this sentence. The why we should praise, why there should be praise to the glory of Jesus Christ. But I wanted to point out to you, <clears throat> this, <clears throat> pardon me, this sentence could be broken down into three portions, and each one of them ends with, uh, to the praise of his glorious grace, for the praise of his glory, and to the praise of his glory. Each one of them just uh, saying over and over again, look at what God has done, and it's for the praise of his glory. And look what he's done for us, and look what he's done through through, uh, through salvation, look what He's done through our redemption. Praise be to God for all that He's done for us over and over again in these verses. <clears throat> Which goes back to my point for today is this, is that we as God's people, we are supposed to be people for His glory. We're supposed to be a people who have been redeemed and chosen and made priests and holy and blameless and all of these things before God and to just be reflecting back what he's done. We're supposed to be a people who are caught up in what he's done and to look to him and say, praise be to God, like, just like the Apostle Paul did. But anyway, let's go in here a little bit and we'll talk about, talk about what he's done. Verse 3, it also says, um, he uh, who has blessed us, God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. There's your next blank. He blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The passage here just so rich and so full about what describing what God's done. It's just it's just really is almost overwhelming, or maybe is overwhelming. John Calvin said about this passage. He said that this is intended to rouse believers' hearts to thankfulness, to set them all on fire. I love that to set them all on fire. When you read these verses and you read the, the depth and the breadth of what Jesus Christ has done for us, that you just set your hearts on fire with thankfulness about what he's done. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, isn't that beautiful? And of course, oftentimes we read the scriptures and it so has such a ring of familiarity to it that we don't appreciate what it says. That's when it's time to stop and meditate on the parts and think about what this means. What does it mean that he's that he's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ? What does he mean that he's chosen us to be holy and blameless? We're going to talk about those things here just a little bit. The verse 4, it says that he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I love this phrase. I love this passage. I love what that says. That means, okay, so let me make, just make sure we all are on the same page. Before the creation, God had intended that he would choose some to be holy and blameless. And he wasn't surprised at what it was going to take either. You know what I mean? So, I'm, so here we're talking kind of from eternity to eternity here, but, but here's, 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 here's what, what this... Well, let, let me just give you a brief history of, the, of, of, well, the cosmos is really what it is. God intended and planned that there would be some that would be chosen that would be holy and blameless in his sight. Okay? Then, of course, you know, there's no then to God. Time is, you know, he's outside of time is our understanding, right, from the scriptures. But uh, then he created the world, knowing there would be a fall. Knowing there would be a fall meant that he knew the price that he would have to pay for those people who would be holy and blameless. There would be a price, there would be a cost, and God, knowing it all, went forward and did what he did in creation, knowing full well that mankind would fall into sin. And because of our sin, we would alienate ourselves. We would tear the relationship with God apart because in his holiness, he cannot tolerate uh, the relationship in our sinful state. And then, of course, we blame Adam and Eve for that because it's more convenient. They're good scapegoats, right, because they were first. 
but then you and I also tread on God's authority. We chose to ignore his authority over us. And it's like this. It's like if you, were in, if you decided that you were no longer going to live by or recognize the authority of the government that you're under, then really you're guilty of treason. If you just say, the government cannot pass a law that, I am, that I'm going to adhere to, they don't have that kind of authority over me, it's treason. And in almost every culture, throughout almost all of time, the punishment for treason is death, right? It just is. Uh, you try it and see how it goes for you, but, but you decide, you know what, you can set up your speed limits and you can set up your tax laws, but I'm just not going to do that. I, you're just, you know, United States government, I'm just, you're, not, I'm just not, you're just not authority over me. Well, that's what we did under God's authority. And we said, I will not... I will not hear what you say. I will not abide by your law. I will not obey you. And so you and I were guilty of treason. And you talk about guilty of treason. When you're guilty of treason against the United States government, that's one thing. But if you're guilty of treason against God, it's worthy of death, right? It's worthy of the punishment of death. Um, there's a place, I can't remember where it is in the, New, in the Old Testament, it talks about the sin of the high hand. It basically says, you know, this idea that I will not do what you say. I will not be under your authority. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to live the way I want to live, and I won't live the way you want to. Well, God, knowing all of that would happen, had a plan, and even before the creation of the world, he decided that there will be some of these that I choose to be holy and blameless. And of course, he knew they weren't going to get there by themselves. He knew the cost, and he had planned all along that he was going to send his son into the world so that they, he might live a perfect life and die a perfect death and absorb all of the wrath and all of the punishment that you and I deserved and that he might cover our sinfulness by his holiness and that we could then walk in holiness and blamelessness in his sight. He is really is the hero of all time, isn't he, Jesus Christ? He is the one that men that we all as boys wanted to be, really, isn't he? I mean, you know, forget the, the firefighters and Batman. Really, Jesus Christ is the hero of all time. He who gave his life, um, he who, 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 who took on the punishment for a guilty people, the innocent one who would be so, uh, forgive me for saying the word, manly to lay down his life uh, on behalf of people who didn't really deserve it. It really is all about him. And in response, what else could we do but say, we are a people for his glory. We are people who want to live for his glory. We want to recognize what he's done in our lives by the way that we live. And uh, we want to be like uh, John the Baptist would say, I want there to be less of me and more of him in my life. Amen. Because he is the one who's worthy of our praise. Um, he chose us to be holy and blameless. How many of you have wrestled with what God's will is? Yes, all of us, right? At some point or other in our lives, we always wrestle with God's will. Well, let me tell you here in this and other places in Paul's writings in particular, he talks about God's will for our lives, and it is he chose you to be what? Holy and blameless. It is his intention for us to be holy and blameless. And of course, he brought holiness to us and righteousness to us through Jesus Christ that he, we got, he got our punishment and we got his righteousness. And now we're supposed to walk in that. We talked about that last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. But our, God's intention and his desire is for us to walk in that holiness and that blamelessness, to care about what Jesus Christ has done in an attempt to walk according uh, to his plan. And, 
And really, God's intention was all along to create a people who would reflect his glory and would be like him. It was his desire all along. It was his desire even in the Old Testament, and yet the folks of the Old Testament got it wrong, and they made it all about, well, I'll just try to modify my behavior. I'll just try to do better, and they could never do enough. It only happened by the power and the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, this next thing. Um, he, d- he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. Uh, in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons. That's the next blank there. Um, I, I want to ask you, what does it mean? I know you've pr- if you grew up in Sunday school at all, you knew that God uh, chose, you, you know, God decided that he would make us his sons or daughters, right? That, that that was God's intention for us as believers. But what does it mean? You know, if I were to ask the, the question, so what? I, you know, you are the son or the daughter of God. What does it mean to you? What does that mean to be a, the adopted son or the adopted daughter of God. What does that mean to you? Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? But somehow, somehow we went from enemies to being able to share the inheritance with Jesus Christ, which is really bizarre to me. And I say this every time, if it weren't the Bible, I would hardly believe it. But somehow we who were enemies share in the inheritance that the son who was lived in perfect obedience to the father deserved, somehow we get to share with that. It's amazing to me. Again, if it weren't in the Bible, I just would find it hard to believe. But we get to share an inheritance because he's adopted us as his sons. What else? Yeah, how about that? Jesus taught those disciples, he says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. No one prayed that way. Everyone thought God too distant, too, too different for us to be able to relate to him that way. But Jesus said, when you pray, pray, our Father. No one did that back in those days. Now we kind of take it for granted. But it's an intimacy that we have with our Father that wasn't there before. And now he says, you relate to me like a father, and like a son relates to his father. That's a, boy, that's a beautiful thing. Something we could spend a lot of time talking about. What else? How about this? Along with that relationship, I don't know how your relationship was with your earthly father, but in our relationship with our heavenly father, he cares for us. Like a father is supposed to care for his son. He, right, which means, right, he, he listens for us. He, he hears us. He, he knows where we're at. He knows what we're about. He knows uh, where we're at, even maybe when we're unaware we're at, but he has that kind of intimate knowledge of us and desires good things for us, right? One of the things that Jesus said was that, uh, you know, you, are, you, you who are fathers, you're good to your sons. How much more? How much more is the Heavenly Father good to you? Uh, well, boy, it's just unspeakable. As good as you are as a dad or as good of a dad that you had, our Heavenly Father intends even better for us. How come? Here we go again, because we are in Christ. And all that we have in our union or our relationship with Jesus Christ, we receive the privilege of now being the son or the daughter of God. That's just a beautiful, beautiful, uh, amazing thing. But I don't want you to lose this. We didn't deserve that. 
we deserve to be enemies, and enemies deserve punishment, right? That's where we were, but Jesus Christ came, and he brought us into the fold. He brought us into the family. We went from enemies to being part of the family of God because of what Jesus Christ did. And if you are in Christ, then you are a son or a daughter of God, uh, and we have the privilege of being his sons. This last thing, in him, in verse 7, we have redemption through his blood. You guys have heard me talk about this term before, but this, uh, the word redemption means is a, is a price that was paid. It was a ransom payment that was paid for a prisoner of war or a slave to buy them back. It was someone who'd been sold to slavery, but to attain their freedom, someone would step up and redeem them or pay a ransom to get their life back, to set them free to set free a prisoner of war or a slave. And, the, the, and the, uh, the gospel writers and Paul here has a lot to say. He says, that picture is perfect for what happened in the life of a believer. We were sold as slaves to sin, but Jesus Christ paid the ransom to buy us back from our own sin. He paid the ransom. Of course, we all know the cost. The cross was the, the, the very blood, the very body of Jesus Christ that was, that, uh, that was given for us through him. Um, so let me read verses 3 through about 7 again. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Would you all read along with me in verse 4, beginning in verse 4 there? For he chose us to... I'm sorry, I'm going to catch up with you. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has given freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of his sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Amen. Let me, I'm going to close like this. We can be about so many things. We can, we, can, we can be about so many things. There are so many things that can get our focus or attention. There are so many things that we might want to be known for. But really, truly, the thing that presses in on us from the Scriptures is it really is all about Jesus Christ. And we are to be a people who are for His glory. We're to be a people who, like Paul, the Apostle Paul has, says this morning, we're to be a people who are to be about the praise of God and a praise of his glorious grace that he's lavished upon us uh, because our lives, our identities, our, our futures, they have all been changed. The direction that, uh, that, that has happened in our life, the change that's happened in our life is absolutely un unspeakable, and it's only because we are in Christ. It is who we are. And God, help us to live out the identity that he's bought for us. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, as we come to you now, and we just want to make a confession, Father. Um, we are so about so many different things at so many different times. We may have desires to be, to be well thought of at work or, or to be well thought of in regards to uh, how, how attractive we are or, or fit we are or how smart we are or all of these things. And, and we want to make those things too many times. We want to make those things our identity. But, Father, you've given us something that's so much more. You've given us an identity in Jesus Christ. 
You've made us a, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, uh, people belonging to God. You've made us a new creation, uh, totally different than, than what existed before. Uh, you've taken the old and you've replaced it with the new thing, the new creation. Uh, and Lord, this morning as we read, we just recognize, Lord God, that you've adopted us as your son, that you chose us to be holy and blameless, that you, uh, through your redemption, through the Jesus' ransom, that you forgave all of our sins. And Lord, we enjoy all of these spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and Father, I pray that you would make us a people who are for your glory. Uh, a people who are full of praise, a people whose lives and whose, whose communication, whose conversation uh, reflects what you, all that you've done in us, Lord God. And Father, we just confess to you, Father, too many times when we look at our lives, when your scripture really presses in on us, too many times we find ourselves short. We find that we've picked up an, uh, uh, the banner of something that's so much smaller and insignificant. So Father, we ask for your forgiveness this morning. And Father, we pray that you would speak anew to us, Lord God, about all that you've done for us, about who we are in your Son, Jesus Christ, that our hearts, our conversation, our, our minds might just be filled with praise to the glorious grace that you've given us, Lord God. Help us, Father. You know our weakness. And Lord, we just ask that you would be with us, that you would help us, Father, in our weakness. Help us to be a people for your glory. It is all about you. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. Amen.